GBC Podcasts, local voices on demand. On Gibraltar today. With the summer break soon coming to an end, we're going to look at what Gibraltar has to offer in terms of out-of-school activities. I was joined in the studio by Duke of Edinburgh Director Michael Bissarello, Vice Principal of the Gibraltar Academy of Music and the Performing Arts, Tanya Santini McClelland, the Gibraltar Football Association's Youth Football Coordinator, Tiago Lino D'Agosta, and also the Parent and Child Society's Helen Mumford. Also on our top story, the Spanish government has complained to the UK over three incidents which happened in what it describes as waters close to Gibraltar. Our reporter Jonathan Sacramento brought us up to speed on this story. More on our top story now. The Spanish government has complained to the UK over three incidents which happened in what it describes as waters close to Gibraltar. Jonathan Sacramento is here to bring us the latest. Good afternoon, Jonathan. Hi there. Uh, So Spain has responded to the UK's own protest of a warship in Gibraltar waters with a note verbal. This is a form of diplomatic process, right? Protest. Mm, Yeah. So what happened was that the P-72 Sentinella, uh, uh, it's a patrol ship that uh, patrols the Strait of Gibraltar, uh, it uh, came into Gibraltar waters on Monday afternoon and... As a result, you know, it triggered a diplomatic incident and uh, it was tailed by uh, Gibraltar squadron and the foreign office issued a complaint before the Spanish authorities. And this has triggered uh, Spain to respond with its own diplomatic protest, a a note verbal. It's a diplomatic type of uh, action. It's a letter, basically. And in this letter, the Spanish government is protesting three different incidents. So Mm -hmm. talk us through what these three examples are that they've given. Well, the first one is the oil spill, the gas Venus, uh, on the 1st of August. It says that this spill uh, came into waters which are designated under the site of community interest. So it's uh, it's a, a site which Spain claims to be responsible for environmentally. And uh, that uh, it says that uh, oil bunkering in these waters is prohibited by Spanish law. Bear in mind that Spain considers these waters to be Spanish. Uh, the second is the incident that involves the SBA vessel a few weeks ago. I don't know if you remember what happened, but essentially uh, it came into Gibraltar waters and exercised executive action. It stopped a vessel. Uh, they say that uh, this was part of a law enforcement exercise because the boat wasn't... Uh, it didn't have its lights on, it didn't have its satellite system on, uh, and uh, customs, Gibraltar customs, interfered with the legal process. That's that, that's their slant on it. And then the third is the uh, fishing boat. It's uh, it's called, let me just get the name, uh, Midaniela. It's a boat operated by a Spanish fisherman, and it was fishing illegal in Gibraltar waters. It was reported by the Royal Gibraltar Police. Um, but again, Spain takes a completely different slant. It says that uh, the boat was harassed, uh, the fisherman has been harassed, uh, and uh, that uh, he was threatened. Uh, and again, it complains about the RGP ex- exercising sovereignty which was in, in what they consider to be <laughs> Spanish waters. Have we had any reactions yet from either the Gibraltar or UK governments following mm, this protest, this letter? No, I mean, this this very much falls under the... I know the, the Gibraltar government sometimes comments on these matters, but uh, we've put questions to the Foreign Office uh, and uh, we're waiting to hear what they say. So, I mean, to sum up, really, Spain's not giving up, are they? Well, uh, at the end of their letter, what they say is that it does not recognise, Spain says it does not recognise 
uh, any British maritime spaces around the rock which are not ceded by the Treaty of Utrecht. So other than the sort of like the port, the harbour area where, where which involves like the MOD. Uh, so that that is what's ceded in the Treaty of Utrecht. But anything outside that, which is what Gibraltar has always claimed, the three kilometres and the 12 kilometres like, um, of uh, that's granted to it by the uh, Maritime Convention on the Law of the Sea. Uh, but Spain says it does not recognise that. And that it will continue to exercise Mm -hmm. sovereignty in what it considers to be its waters. So we await that response from the FCDO then. Let's see what happens. Okay, thank you very much, Jonathan. With the summer break soon coming to an end, we're going to look at what Gibraltar has to offer in terms of -of out-of-school activities. What skills and experiences are available? How important is it that we nurture our youth's passions and hobbies outside of the classroom? And what challenges face our youth as they prepare to take uh, a step back into school life? Lots to discuss, and I have a brilliant panel joining me today. Duke of Edinburgh Director Michael Bissarello. We also have Vice Principal of the Gibraltar Academy of Music and the Performing Arts, Tanya and Dini McClelland, the Gibraltar Football Association's Youth Football Coordinator, Tiago Lino da Costa, will be is also here, and also the Parents and Child Society's Helen Mumford. So welcome all. Thank you for joining me. Thank Hello, you very much. Thank you for having us. <laughs> um, perhaps we can start by giving an introduction to what all of your organisations offer the youth of Gibraltar. Tiago, would you like to go first, perhaps? Yeah, sure. So um, the Gibraltar Football Association offers football there you go um but no we we have uh, a range of activities uh, for one-year-olds all the way up to 18 year olds and obviously that's the complete football pathway so starting at the bottom with one and two-year-olds in the nursery uh then we've got our preschool sessions and then our fundamental and development school programs which sort of uh, lead kids into club football where things start getting a bit more serious but yeah um loads of different ways of, of kids getting involved as well boys and girls so exciting times you've been in this role now as a youth football coordinator just over a year but you're no stranger to local football i'm sure you're, you're a familiar face and voice to many because of course you used to be a sports reporter for us here at gbc yep. how would you sum up your your first year in this post very challenging um it's a demanding role of course because there's a lot of people relying on on you to to make the right decisions um and and there is obviously a, a massive following when it comes to football not just youth football but football in general so um it's it's uh, like i said uh, it's been a challenge but one that I, i'm passionate about about what i do so it kind of, it makes it a lot easier um and i think you guys would agree um, that when you face any challenges or hurdles, if you enjoy what you do, it's never really as bad as it seems. So, um, no, I, I genuinely have enjoyed this last year. It's been a, a fantastic year for for me in terms of my career, and, and I hope that the kids have also seen the benefit, of course, yeah. Lovely. So rewarding working with children. And when, when you're working with such varied age ranges as well, starting as young as one, I imagine the skills that you're teaching are very different depending on, on the age range, right? A hundred percent. And I tell you, as a, as a parent as well, having, having a bunch of one and two year olds running around touching all the equipment, it, it kind of makes uh, things uh, make more sense when you yeah. get home as well. So, um, <laughs> it's more interesting. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. You can agree with that, right, Helen? Completely. Yeah, the, uh... The under five market is a is a very touchy feely market, shall oh, we yeah. say, when it comes oh, yeah. to activities. Fun, fun chaos. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, Tanya, what about Gamper? What does Gamper have to offer the youth of Gibraltar? 
Well, at Gampa, obviously, we offer lessons in singing and acting and dancing. We also offer lessons on all musical instruments like piano, guitar, violin, flute, trumpet, anything you might want to try out musically, we probably have it put in an offer. Then we also have like uh, the Gibraltar Youth Choir. We have the Gibraltar Youth Orchestra. We do workshops throughout the year. We're always doing productions and plays and recitals and always looking at ways to provide performing opportunities for our students. As an actor yourself, a director, this must be the dream job for you, Natanya, to work in this industry. I am very, very lucky. I am very lucky with my job. And like Tiago said, um, of course, you have challenging days, but when you love what you do, it makes it all worthwhile. And I think working with children and seeing the progression and how you can influence them in their lives and seeing the little um, milestones and goals that they achieve makes it all all worthwhile. That's that's the key. I think that's it. It's it's the milestones. It's it's seeing how they progress over a period of time, and and the re- that's the reward. It's mm-hmm. it's nothing. There's no other reward. That is it. And and seeing not the final product, but them on their way to the final product and moving further forward from where they started. That's that's the best bit about it. It's like they're yeah. saying, that's not the destination, it's the journey. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. That's important. Absolutely. And yeah. it can be like, um, it can be a little milestone. So like, um, for us, we have the infant singing and acting, which some of them are as young as four. And for maybe it's the first time on the stage and they're really scared and nervous. And then when they come off, you can see it in the faces, you know, that they're glowing, like saying, yes, I, I, I did this. And then as they grow older, then obviously it's like, bigger goals like getting into a conservatory or getting into a drama school that's also very rewarding course and the duke of edinburgh now let's move on to michael it's been established on the rock for over 50 years but still going strong right michael yeah that's right it's been over 50 years and it's still going very strong i think um i mean what we are is we're there for 14 to 24 year olds um and it's a program which is a non-formal education program and it gives them something at the end of what they wish to do and what they wish to do can be anything from sports include sports skills a service to others uh, the adventurous journey and a gold a gold residential project and effectively they choose what they want to do each individual chooses what they want to do and at the end of the day um through a combination of activities and the hours spent doing stuff uh, working with mentors and assessors they eventually get their award which is something like a qualification which is recognised by many employers across the globe, um, which fits in after their academic stuff. Um, and, I, and I think a lot of employers are looking at the sort of non-academic achievements to set people uh, a, a bit above the, the rest and, and in choosing candidates for jobs and so on. So it's a, it's a very good experience to, for people to do. So, as you said, ages 14 to 24, it's really helping them transition um, from, from children into early adulthood. That That is what is one of the primary aims of it. It was to devise to sort of transition young people into becoming adults and being able to do things for themselves and work with others, which is part of, of growing up, you know. Uh, so it's, it's, it's getting a team together as part of their activities uh, and, and, and meeting other people and, and getting out there and doing things and overcoming problems. So it's all about that. What would you say personally, what is it that you love the most about the Duke of Edinburgh scheme? 
Well, for me... Hard to choose, I know. <laughs> yeah, it's difficult. I mean, after 40-odd years getting involved, involved with this, it's difficult to choose. I mean, for me, uh, what I use, what I really like is the adventurous journey part of it. I mean, for me, going outdoors in the hills uh, with others, hiking, uh, camping and doing all this sort of stuff, uh, getting lost, getting soaked, uh, getting stuck in the mud and having to find your way and stuff like that, that for me is For it. some, this might sound like a nightmare. <laughs> yes. But for but... the adventurous kind, this sounds like a dream come true. Not necessarily, because uh, we've had a lot of young people that have come through and I think we've got uh, the, the parent of one here at the moment as an example is that uh, many of them who do the adventurous journey and they start the hiking first day they're not very keen they don't like it most will eventually complete the, the two days three days or four days depending on the level they're doing and at the end of it they'll say oh this is great I want to do the next one uh, uh, can we keep going even after the fourth day you know and it's so it does make a big change and a big difference to them once they're in it so yeah it's all about Preparing yourself for the journey. And that's, building that's resilience. Yeah, that's yeah, right. Excellent. I, I can definitely confirm that. My daughter's just finished the bronze. Oh, and, amazing. Uh, moaned and moaned and moaned when I picked her up. And then the last thing she said to me was, I'm definitely doing my silver, though. Absolutely loved it. And uh, I'm as definitely built as a character. Resilience in her has definitely improved. Lovely. Well, Helen, yeah, you are a mum of two 12 and 15-year-olds. I am, yeah? yep. So I'm sure you'll relate to, to a lot of what <laughs> yeah, we're discussing. Yeah, I was saying earlier, I've got one in Duke of Edinburgh, I've had one in the past in Gamper, and I've got one in GFA, so... Oh, OK, so I've got all our bases covered. <laughs> yeah, I, I've, I've also got rugby and cricket on the go as okay. well. But... We'll try and get them in next time. <laughs> yeah. You're also here representing PACS, the Parent and Child Society. You guys do so much for the community, so give us a, a taster of uh, the, the sessions that you provide. Okay, yeah, so like we say, we do seven sessions over five days, so I will try not to forget anyone because the volunteer that runs that one will be WhatsApping me the minute I walk out of here. Um, so we have a free play session on a Monday. On a Tuesday, we have Play Sense, which is our slightly quieter session that has to be booked, and it's designed for kids that are never been to a play group before or maybe find sensory... Um, Sessions can be a bit overloading. We then, Wednesdays, have Bumps to Babies, followed by, I have to say, the best cooking club you can ever take your child to. And why to is that? That, that, <laughs> might, that might be my session. Um, Thursdays, we have interactive uh, story time, and that's very much not sit and read your kid a book. It's very much get the toys out, reenact it. There's you going on a bear hunt is always a favourite, and you see us all stomping through grass and through the river. That's rivers. a favourite in my household yeah. and my two year old too. <laughs> and then hopefully on Thursday mornings, might have a new session of baby massage starting if all goes well. Um, Fridays again we have a play session which once a month turns into like a tumble session where all the slides and the tunnels and stuff come out. And just around the week off we finish again with cooking club because uh, you know everyone wants something good and tasty to take home for the weekend. And it's good to finish on a high yeah. on lots of fun. Yeah, it, and it is. It is a, a immensely f every session is fun and because they cater for all age ranges up to. Uh, five. Well, basically, we have them until they go to school. So we do even have them once they've gone to school because we have the preschoolers in the afternoon, etc. You you see everything like you're saying about milestones, things like that. We we literally see kids from bump. Mm -hmm. Then we get the joy of a cute tiny little baby, um, and then we get like a horrible stage sometimes in the middle where they're a bit grumpy toddler type. No, no toddler snatching, fighting, all those type things. We have all the joys, which is and all normal and part of the all process. Completely normal, yeah. and all our volunteers are either very experienced parents in this, or we do know how to deal with it. And um, then we take them to sort of. I, I love I love that age of about four to five. They've got an opinion. 
but they're pretty nice with it, a bit nicer than teenagers. And um, particularly with a cooking club, I see a kid walk in, he goes, I don't eat fruit, or I don't eat vegetables. Do you see that as a challenge? Oh, yeah, they don't mm-hmm. get past me at all. There's like a minimum of anything we cook as three different I can see fruits that. <laughs> or three different vegetables, and they've got to be in it, they've got to try it, things like that. And I literally had a mum once go, you'll never get my kid to eat anything. They made vegetable spring rolls, and they didn't make enough of them. The kid was just shoving them in. She was like, I, if I brought them veg spring rolls, they wouldn't have anything to do. I said, cook with them then. If they know what's in something, if they're involved in an activity, and I think that's for all activities, mm-hmm. they just they just get on with it and love it. So, yeah. That's Amazing. Us, really. Hands-on being the key. Yeah. And if you could just choose uh, one of the recipes that you do with the kids as, as a firm favourite that goes down really well, what would you say that is? Uh, probably uh, my tomato pasta swell things, which is like basically pastry cheese tomorrow it's like a pizza all twirled up and honestly they are you, that sounds yeah, amazing yeah, you could just eat them and they're like they only also take as Thiago, adult, your belly's rumbling so is it hungry. yeah they only take about five minutes if you're an adult we can obviously drag it out for a child but yeah oh, they don't last very long at all we're looking at what gibraltar has to offer in terms of out of school activities the summer break is drawing to a close and that means back to routine but what will be filling our children's afternoons and how important is it that we nurture our youth's passions and hobbies outside of the classroom. Duke of Edinburgh director Michael Pisarello, campers Tanya Santini-McClelland, the GFA's youth football coordinator Tiago Lina Dagosa and PAX Helen Mumford all joining me in the studio. Now you all work with youngsters, different age ranges, different activities. What would you say are the biggest challenges facing Gibraltar's youth these days? Not enough time to do everything. Yeah. Not enough that's time? The main thing. I yeah. think that, that's yeah. what you find that they're that those that do things, because some some young people perhaps don't do anything, but those that do things tend to do a lot, and then they don't have enough time to do all their out-of-school activities and the school stuff. And I think that's one sort of challenge that the young people face at the moment. So having too much on their plate and not being able to dedicate enough time to to one uh, hobby mm. or activity. Or a few. Or a few. Or a few. Yeah. There's, there's so many great options um, my time as a sports reporter I mean, there's 51 52 sporting associations that doesn't include dukes it doesn't include gampa it doesn't include a lot of other associations exactly so there's only five days in the week um and and trying to fit everything in and when when there are a number of different associations doing some really really good work it's it must be tough and and if if you enjoy a variety then then obviously you're going to want to try that and and that's maybe one challenge uh, that that we face as an association is trying to get as many kids involved in football and trying to make it as accessible as possible, knowing that they might also have other activities that they want to do. And and that is a challenge, but at the same time, it's completely understandable. Um, we're not going to hog, we don't want to hog everyone. Kids need to experience different things. And that's the, that's the beauty of having such a, a, a close society, as it were, and that everything is so close, everything is tangible. And and you can just sort of you can try a, a variety of different things essentially whenever you want you can you can do something different, um, and that is important especially for for the younger ages they they need to experience that. Uh, yeah, tenure. For, for sure. Um, and when we see it in children, you know, under the age of five, if they're not socialised, uh, if they're not um, understand sort of sharing, caring, all of these type of things, and that you know there are other things outside of the world of their ha- their home or school that they really suffer and on that point of like what is the biggest struggle I would say it's got slightly easier for mine now because they've 
picked out some of their really key things they want to do. But as a parent, I would sit at this time of year with a calendar trying to work out how I could fit in art lessons, piano lessons, uh, theatre schools, all the different, like, five different sports, literally going and knowing that I would have to hang on, I've got time to get one kid from Victoria Stadium, <laughs> one kid to Europa Point, I mean, thing. so I think there's a big struggle, like we say, for that, that sits on both the, a parent's shoulder and, and the child because they want to do everything. Jib is very lucky to have everything very, very close together and to have some great organisations who are normally delivering stuff at a very competitive, if not free rate. And uh, just trying to fit it all in. And as well, the risk is that you don't want um, a hobby that your child is taking part in. You don't want it to become a chore if they're feeling the pressure to juggle so many things at once, right? Yeah, completely. I mean, there are so many activities my kids have enjoyed, but have decided maybe, you know, it's getting either too stressful to um, to attend it or it's got to an, to the next level and they want to keep it fun. And I think that's something for for as an organizer of sessions as well you know like i could be on repeat for recipes for example for cooking club but i try and spice it up as much as possible just because i've always we all get bored in life really Um, variety is the the spice of life yeah yeah and that's why i think it's great that there's so many things for kids to do um in jib so that you can keep that spice i suppose what about in terms of bullying how much of an issue is that of course you mentioned the sharing you, you work with under five-year-olds so perhaps i don't know if it's so much of an yeah, issue I, for that age range i wouldn't call it bullying at that age yeah. range it's more almost learning those social skills that then don't develop into <clears throat> to bullying that um you know saying earlier they 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 kick and they snatch and they pinch which and is all normal punch. behavior yeah, for that age range completely normal uh, as a parent i can say i've been there as well so it's that's no different um so those skills sort of start we can see it um and we try and teach obviously around it at the sessions and stuff but um there is i would say less sort of bullying for, as a parent as they move up it's it's more peer pressure rather than bullying it's like oh my friend's in that football team or they go to this session and so they feel like they've got to try and do everything but then that has the other side of thing peer pressure wise because they might find an activity that they never knew existed or um would never have gone along to so it's difficult really what about with the older age ranges and once um you know children are approaching their teen years would you say that bullying is an issue in gibraltar I think bullying is definitely an issue in Gibraltar. You see it in schools all the time. Um, I think there is less bullying in the after-school activities just because it's small organisations and I'm sure like everybody here is very much on on top of it and like a zero tolerance to, to bullying. But I think a lot of finding a kid that finds his his passion, that finds his dream, um, like is finding himself and therefore maybe you can get to the root of what is causing that person to bully another another person and it might be just pent-up stress or or self-esteem issues which can be helped with football with the duke of edinburgh with with acting lessons you know in acting especially it's it's a it's a space we create a very safe space in which we're very free to play around with these issues especially like you know as they as they grow up um we tackle difficult issues in the classroom but in a very creative playful playful way and and children really grow and share 
share a lot in, in, in the classrooms. And drama can be very therapeutic as well. Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> Uh, Helen mentioned uh, peer pressure as well. Just how much of a role does social media play in that? Do you think? It, it, it's 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 massive. Yeah, it's it's it, absolutely it, massive. Yeah. yeah. Go for it, Michael. Yeah, no, I think yeah. I think social media is having a great impact, uh, both positive and negative. I think on on not just young people but everybody, but in particular young people, um, uh, they seem to be seen as having to keep up with with. Everything that's going on in social media, um, the, the, the likes, call them that if you like, uh, of having to follow people and then being influenced by those people who themselves uh, haven't got a clue what they're doing. Uh, because uh, as some cases have come out in, in recent times, these influencers end up, uh, they aren't really doing the stuff themselves. They've just been paid to, to show it off or, or advertise this out of the other. Then you've got this loads and loads of young people and others just following them blindly, I would say, uh, which I think is, a, is, a, is detrimental to everybody. Um, so I think it is a, a negative aspect to it. There's a positive aspect to it because there are those young people uh, and adults possibly uh, who are socially distanced, uh, even publicly, and or have... Uh, a potential disability to be able to get out and do stuff, which social media allows them to access other people um, and, and actually increase their social circle. Uh, so, it, you know, it, it's a bit of both. There are pros um, and cons. But neither good nor bad, it's a bit of both. Out of curiosity, in your organisations, in your clubs, are phones allowed? Because obviously these uh, kids going, they're not in school. Um, I don't know how, how strict you are with your rules, but... What, what's your stance a, on that? I have a very strict rule. Like, I don't allow phones in my in my class or, or in Gampa because it's that time, I think, um, apart from the peer pressure of social media, I think one of the things is that they are so easily distracted, you know? It's so easy to be scrolling on your phone and spend hours and hours. So we want them to, to be free of their phones, of their social media, and this is an hour that we dedicate to, you know, exploring focus different things and then focus on the activities and and then when they leave Gampa, then they can go back on the phones. Especially because even as adults, I'm sure you can probably agree that using our phones and social media is so addictive. It's just so easy to lose uh, that time when you're scrolling. And before you know it, maybe five, ten or more minutes have passed. And you've thought, what have mm -hmm. I done with this time? So it's really beneficial to have hours, Tiago, as you said, hours. My, my wife, just, <laughs> Stacey, hates it. I've watched so many videos. It's so bad. I shouldn't really be admitting this on, li on live live. But you TV have now. Radio, There's but, no going back. Yeah, no, <laughs> but, but it is very, very addictive. And, and uh, Michael's saying there are positives and negatives to it. <laughs> Phones in football, well, you can't. There's no, there's no pockets in in football shorts, thank God. Um, but um, but it, social media wise, it's so, it can have such a positive effect, and 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 everything everything that that you've got to think football. It's one of the world's biggest entities in terms of what people want to follow. The positives are that you can see so many good things that you might want your kids to actually do and 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 copy things that are good. But then you've got the trolling side of things, and that is absolutely outrageous. Uh, and I think it's it's about teaching these kids to draw the line um, in the right place as to what is right and what is wrong, um, and 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 helping them to understand that you know it, it, go down that positive route. Simple as that. Take that right road. Mm -hmm. And also, I suppose building on their confidence and their feelings of self worth will equip them to better deal with those peer pressures of social media Absolutely. if they're being bullied. And that starts from even a very young age, right? Yeah. Helen, before five, I mean, those formative uh, years are just crucial. Indeed, indeed. Um, and uh, as a 
as an observer of um, parents of, of young children, uh, I can name numerous children who the minute the parents phones out, the face turns and they're like already posing for a picture because they assume the picture is going to be taken or young children who even at our sessions are grabbing their parents' phones and engaging with them. And obviously we it's not children with phones in our sessions, so we can't really say, but we um, we do try and discourage um, the, the sort of parent just sat in the corner with a phone. One of our volunteers will go and talk to them or something because the sessions are there to also socialise yeah. the, the grown-up, the parent, the carer, with their child and with... Um, other parents because obviously being a parent is very stressful and no one gives you a manual especially no one gives you a manual about social media as a as a parent of teens uh it's like uh, honestly the amount of sleepless nights worrying and about phones and bits and pieces we we are a generation that grew up with technology but no one told us that it would get to this stage and and what we can do and Pax recently wrote an article, actually, because we have a monthly article that we write for one of the magazines about how we create a digital um, identity for our children before our children have the right to consent mm -hmm. to that. And actually, we're starting to see a bit of a turn. Some, we obviously have a sign that says, look, we will take pictures of your children so that we can use them to promote our own sessions. But just give us a heads up if you don't want and that that doesn't happen. And we're seeing some parents that are coming out and actually parents who uh, work with technology as their job going, no, actually, my kid has no digital footprint. Um, you are seeing that more and more, people yeah, being far more careful. And, more. and I, as, a, as a parent, I was like, oh, why wasn't that 15 years ago? <laughs> wasn't that 12? Because I made those mistakes. And now my kids, don't get me wrong, are like, why did you post that? Or, and I can't post anything now with my children without prior permission, but admittedly, I even have an, I have a media, social media agreement with my children. They can't post pictures of me and I can't post pictures of them without everything being agreed and usage, everything, um, which may sound like over the top, but the effect it has on everything our children do, school, after school activities, their friend groups, is shocking. We could be here all day talking about it. We could. It's a, it's a discussion that has uh, far more that we could go into. Uh, and perhaps for another day, Helen, you'd like yep. to come back and discuss it further. Yep. <laughs> uh, Tanya, you mentioned earlier as well about how rewarding it is to see children, you know, perhaps who started off quite shy or low in confidence and then really bloom. So I suppose it's really crucial to to children to be outside of a classroom, but also outside of their usual family environment, to find that in independence, not to kind of find their own kind of place in the world. Do you find that as a time goes on after working with a child, you notice this more and more? Yeah, definitely. And in Gampa, we're very lucky that we have students that maybe start with us at four and they go all the way to like now the ones that are leaving for university, you know, at, at 18. And you see that whole life journey and the different steps that that they take and then they become part of the Gampa family. So like we try to create a very friendly, um, inclusive um, environment in, in Gampa. And, and yeah, we become like like a little 
like a little family and they do find their own voice and their own independence and you know throughout the years their own personality what they like what they don't like what they feel passionate about until you know then they leave at 18 but even now we have all these students that are now 22 23 and all the rest like right after now I'm meeting one student who's now 22 or 23 we still meet up and they're still part of our community we get them to help in shows so yeah so when when they come in for the children who want to stay who who really enjoy it they they kind of become part of this other family i have to say that michael of course the duke of edinburgh you started from the age of 14 so maybe not so many funny stories in terms of you know children um you know just being children because i always say that i really enjoy interviewing kids because you never know what's going to come out of their mouths i'm sure you've probably got uh, maybe helen because you work with the youngsters i'm sure you've got some funny stories up your sleeve yeah it's always joyful when a kid walks back in a room telling you what they've done in the bathroom um oh, i was not like, expecting that no no i'm sure you like, weren't either no no or or, or sometimes as well I've had children ask me to take them to the toilet because they just view us as part of their like wider family and bits and pieces which like, is a good thing they see you as a, a safe person it's a safeguarding issue but um yeah. Yeah. but uh, so we have to kindly decline those uh those lovely offers but yeah no, kids, kids are amazing <laughs> and they get to ask we expect that they are sort of trained in those. we don't have to deal with that thankfully <laughs> no, no 14 year olds asking for help no, <laughs> that way. no that's good Thiago <laughs> what about you no of course you've you can oh, no, you no, either no, use your your GF Bay hat or your no no I mean in general like any funny comments uh, from children over the years uh, either with your GFA hat or with your your father hat on because you are a young dad of two it's it's easier this I've got more stories as a father because um, I haven't been in in the role uh, for for that long at work but as a father. Um, Oh, do I want to talk about my son's bathroom habits here? No, 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 no. We don't um, need to go there. Uh, can we move on from <laughs> We'll that? move on. Um, I just meant funny no, things. I mean, look, there's, they, they go through these different stages, don't they? And and it's just, it's cute, it's adorable, it's it's challenging at times. Um, but it's it's so enjoyable and rewarding to see how they how they grow and and when they cut when they say a new word when when they perform a new skill in football where they've been working on something for so long and they finally nail it it is so good it's just the greatest feeling and, and you can definitely say that for for as a parent when you watch your kid do something whether it's performing a recital or literally when, when my daughter came back from duke of edinburgh i mean she uh, she looked like she needed a good shower and a good sleep but um the smile on her face or when i watch my son play sport you know and i, I see them do well and it's just so much pride so you know sending your kids off to activities outside of school particularly if maybe not every kid likes school um and uh doesn't achieve academically they are okay but you know maybe not stunning that these after school clubs these activities just give yeah they're, provide, they're crucial give kids a, an understanding of that there's a there's a bigger world out there to mm-hmm. you know i'm i'm don't get me wrong i want my kids to do the best they can uh, academically but i keep telling them that you know and then that there's so much more people won't just judge you on your your schooling and or if, your if or your like, A level results, yeah, yeah. your GCSE if results. Got like Duke of Edinburgh, like you're saying, it's a recognised qualification. It it take you out there if you play team sports. You know that that's as an employer, you'd look at those things and think actually they they given them skills that they don't know. Performing a play gives them the confidence yeah. to stand up and. Talk. I was actually going to ask Tanya about the the B tech. 
I'm afraid we're running out of time, and I wish we had more. I wish we had more time because there was so much more that we wanted to get through. Um, we'll have to have a part two sometime. Uh, but just to wrap up, if we can quickly, uh, Thiago, can we expect to see big things from Gibraltar's next generation of footballers? 100. The the programs have developed uh, so so much over the last few years, and and we're seeing results now, especially at elite level, which is obviously beyond the grassroots side of things, but. Um, that's ultimately the end game, and the results are showing, especially at the uh, the top end of youth elite football. So, watch this space, Helen. Do we have any Jamie Olivers in the making? There's definitely some people that can take my slot over, which means <laughs> um, for sure. I can tell you something: we have definitely got a generation of kids coming through that will be um, able to do amazing things. The little characters that we see, there's some confident ones out there, there's some clever clogs. The other day I was reading stories about dinosaurs and I'm known for having quite a bit of dinosaur knowledge and this kid outstripped me at like three. <laughs> we'll so, have to get him on next yeah, time. So there's definitely there's a bright future ahead. Tanya, is the future bright for Gibraltar's youngest performers? Yeah, I think so, definitely. We have a great bunch of kids who are really passionate about what they do. And um, like you said just a minute ago, um, what Helen was saying as well, that these after-school activities offer kids a lot of transferable skills that are very, very valuable as they grow up in whichever career path they choose. And now in Gampa, we're very lucky with the Department of Education and the College of Further Education that we're offering now in September for the first time the BTEC in acting to together with the BTEC and music. And that just provides like another path for those kids that might not be academic, but are very good at performing. And this is, I think, what these organisations can can offer as well. Great news. You know, not just because you don't get nine A's in GCSE doesn't mean that you're not going to be successful in life. And Michael, finally, will the Duke of Edinburgh see another 50 plus years on the rock? Oh, definitely. Whilst I'm here, yes. <laughs> I'll still be around, maybe. <laughs> Lovely. Thank you so much to all of you for joining me today. It's been a great discussion. Thanks for listening to those highlights from Gibraltar today. I'm Kelly M. Borge, the show's producer. We're live on Radio Gibraltar Monday to Friday from 1 to 2, getting behind the headlines. And you can catch up here whenever you like. Until next time, have a good one. GBC Podcasts. Local voices on demand.